Hello, everyone. My name is Jose Rios. My lovely wife's name is Kathy. We have two beautiful daughters, Veronica and Vanessa. I have the honor to announce that my daughter, Veronica, got engaged to a godly man yesterday. <laughs> and my other daughter, Vanessa, is finishing her senior year at Liberty University. Um, <laughs> so, as I'm about to read, there is a couple of names on here that I'm not too familiar with, but... <laughs> there we go. Well, I'm going to read um, Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 to 26. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built the city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad father Mehujal, and Mehujal father Methushael, and Methushael father Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jebel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nema. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Aiden knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at the time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jose. Congrats, too. Good stuff. Yeah, you sign up to read, and then you hear genealogy. Oh, I made my son do it last night. It was punishment from all those years, you know. But as we've we've been going through these um, chapters in Genesis, we if you were with us, we, we saw creation. It's all good, and and we see a, a, a man he is formed, and then uh, the woman is is formed, and it's good, and it's all good, and then we saw what darkness from sin. Right, we see first in, in the garden, um, taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which this isn't, by the way, right? right and as, as they do that, I know, huh? Somebody didn't pay the electric bill. No, it's okay, it's okay. We, we even saw last week, um, the, the title of the sermon, Merry Christmas, was Spiraling Darkness. It gets spirals further and further. Because Cain, he, he kills his own brother. 
And then now we see this reading, right, of Cain's genealogy. And, and in the midst of it, you can't help but see it just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But we also see a lot of flourishment, right, when it comes to the secular world. We see livestock, we see farming, we see music and arts and a city being built and, and, and all this really, really great stuff, right? None of those things are sinful in of themselves, but it's away from the presence of God. And the question that I want to ask you and me for the third time now, and really all week, that God's been asking me, and that is, is all of this, which in, in some ways can be very good, is it worth it at the cost of the presence of God? Jesus, after rebuking Peter one day, he saw a crowd, he was talking to them, he was teaching them, and he said to them, if you could gain the whole world, whole world, but forfeit your own soul, is it worth it? It's a good question. If I could gain the whole world, and be fully happy in it, but not be in the presence of God. That's Cain's family. Would I do it? It's a harder question than sometimes in church we think. But we'll get there. Let's pray first. Lord, I, I, um, I pray that you would meet us exactly where each person is at today. Lord, I pray that, um, that, that as we look at, at the, the darkness that sometimes even this season can, can bring, that we would um, face the beautiful mercy and grace that is found in your presence. And for some, this might be again and again and again, and others for the very first time. Either way, we pray that your spirit would do your work. Get me out of the way. I have nothing for anyone. It's your spirit. It's your power. It's your word. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said... Amen. Amen. All right. So just as a, a last minute uh, reminder that uh, this upcoming weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, we have a week left of Christmas. Guys, get out there, start shopping. All right. Amazon, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's getting tough. It's getting tough. You might have to get out there uh, if you haven't. Um, but we are going to have our normal church services Friday, um, Friday, Saturday at 5 uh, as normal, that's be the fourth Sunday. We're going to finish this series. And then Sunday morning at 9. But this service next weekend will not exist. So if you show up at 11, you might see me, but I got nothing for you. All right? Um, and that's so we can get ready for our two very different, separate Christmas Eve candlelight services. We have two of those, identical, to choose from three or five. My advice is if you have time, come Saturday. That way you got all Sunday morning to chill and get last minute things done and then come to the Christmas Eve candlelight service. That would be ideal. But you can come to 9 too. It'll just come early because it'll probably be full. Okay? All right. Um, so have you ever heard a, uh, and I'm free to raise your hand, you may have, but anyone here ever heard a message that you can remember on the genealogy of Cain? <laughs> Not a lot. If I don't think I saw a hand. All right? And you're like, if I did, I don't remember it. Not very memorable. Well, you can at least at the very end say you had that happen today, all right? Merry Christmas, the family of Cain. And, and so that, that first question, everything but God, if I could have that, is it worth it? Is it worth it? 
Where we left off, if you were with us last week, it's okay if you weren't, but if you weren't, like, like you know the story, Cain killed his brother, and then God uh, is, is going to judge him, and he's going to have to go away from the people, right? And he's, and he's scared. He's like, they're going to kill me. And so he marks Cain with a mark, not of a curse, but of mercy, because it protects him. And so he's able to still live his life. And he does. But if you remember this verse, I I read it to you a few times because it's one of the saddest verses you'll ever see. Right? Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Away. Right? And settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So all this that happens in his generations, right? All this is away from the presence of the Lord. And so that that, that led us into... um, our passage today, right? Cain, the, the Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Anyone here have a city named after you? Jamiesville, right? That's way too much like Pottersville. We don't need to do that here at Christmas time. But so, so uh, a couple things with this. First of all, this is where usually where people who want to say gotcha to those of us who believe in the Bible and say, where did Cain get his wife? Ha ah. It was either his sister or his cousin. I don't know what to tell you. And no, they're not from Kentucky. That's a bad joke. Don't even, if you're from Kentucky, I'm sorry. Please come back, okay? Uh, no, so that's what God told Adam and Eve to do, right, is, is, is multiply, and they did, and they lived a long, 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 long time, pre-flood, right, long time. And so the second thing, which is far more important than what we're talking about, is, is the, the genealogy of uh, Cain in chapter 4, and the, and the genealogy of Seth at the end of 4 in, in chapter 5, are very similar. Their names are very similar, and, and one that I really want to point out is this name. Both of them have a son, they're not, they didn't live at the same time, for Cain it's the first son, his name's Enoch. Right? And, and, he, and as I said, he gets a whole city named after him, right? Like, like that's big time. Like, I promise you. So, so the, 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 the genealogy of Seth was maybe you remember this guy in Genesis 5. If you, you remember your Bible, he's one of two guys that we know of that never died. Elijah and Enoch. Why did he not die? Because God said, you so walk with me, I want you. Like, I don't know how awesome you have to be for God to say, Come with me. I just know you're better than me. I just know that. But think about it. Two names named Enoch. And I guarantee you, this Enoch had far more Instagram followers than that one. Like prominent. Everything this world could possibly. And city named after you. And so they already subtly, but I think boldly, asks the question of us. Which do you want to do? Where are you going to serve? Do you want to have a city named after you, that Enoch, or that, that, that is away from the presence of God, or do you want to be Seth's Enoch that so walked in the presence of God that he took him? Not both. And so uh, he, he has um, his family, and I'll, I'll skip down just because I don't want to have to say those names that poor Jose had to say already. Just a few of them. Lamech, uh, of course, we'll get back to our boy Lamech. Uh, but uh, his wives, you know, first Ada bore Jabal, he was the, fir- the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock, like farming and cattle and all that came from Jabal. And then his brother's name was Jubal. I mean, parents, are we even trying at that point? I mean, better than George Foreman got it, but at least, you know, 
not just one vowel. So this one is the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. So there's the musician. There's the, 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 the arts guy, right? And everyone who followed after. And then a third son, much more fierce sounding, Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. So again, we see here in this line tons of advancement. Like, like you, like they are flourishing, building cities. They, they are, are, are inventing stuff. Their arts are out of this world. Like their music and all that, right? So, so none of that stuff in, inherently is bad. It's blessings from God for sure. But if it's away from the presence of the Lord, here's the danger. And our culture today has the same danger. And that is, if we get to a certain point where we think we've arrived, what do I need God for? I mean, maybe we don't uh, invent music or tools, but you can get in a chair and they bring you up into the air and fly you across the world in the same day. And you're probably going to complain about the staleness of the peanuts because it's like nothing. Imagine. You can look, you can uh, talk face to face through a screen, same time to someone you love across the world. Like crazy stuff to the point where we can be like, what do we need God for? What do we need God for? Because that, that's what can happen when you flourish in, like, in this secular life to the point of like, I got all of my needs that I think I need met. And so it, it, it's, it's I'm, I'm not saying you cannot have a lot, right, with, with God. It comes down to like we talk about all the time, where, where are you pursuing What's my life pursuing? I'll bet you might know somebody, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, whose man, they seem to have it all. The family's great, their marriage is great if they're married, their vacation, they have a couple houses, they're top of their career, and they're happy. How often do I tell you those pursuits make you miserable? Because they usually do. You know why? Because you think it's going to satisfy your soul, and you're like, oh my gosh, my, my, my soul's not satisfied. I need more. I need more. That's what usually happens. But there are some, I bet you might know someone, and you're like, they're happier than I am, Jamie, and they want nothing to do with God. Right? So here's the question. If I waved a magic wand, which I don't have, okay, I could do that, and you get everything you want. And that's you, right? So I'm not saying it's like just what you want, and you're just like, that would be it. Like whatever that might be. You know, the, the, the best husband or wife. And if you're here with that person, that means them, okay? Or it's the best marriage. It's your kids are flourishing. You got as much money as you need. You got, I could do that, great, but the only cost is the presence of God. Would you do it? Now, if I ask that question out there somewhere, I bet there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, yeah, because I don't even believe in God. I don't think God, it's a fairy tale, and blah, 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 those things we hear all the time. But I know where I am. I'm in church. So the most of you, I hope, would say no. I hope. That's a good answer. But is it the real answer? Is there a difference in my life from my neighbor who's pursuing all of that without God in me, except for maybe I swear a little bit less and I go to church on Sunday? Maybe I don't go to those movies, you know. Is there a difference in what my pursuit is, where I am, and most of all, when darkness hits, where do we turn? That usually teaches us. And the answer, I hope, is that you truly want to pursue the presence of God. Like, whatever might happen, 
That's great. I hope you're blessed. I love it when Christians are in high places. You can influence the world for great things, but never at the forsaking of the presence of God or the integrity of God. Right? And, and when that comes to play, it's like, no. I want the man Enoch, not the city Enoch. Right? God wants all of us. And that's the decision we got to make. The, 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 the uh, genealogy of Cain teaches that. It also teaches us that <laughs> I just keep coming up with these great things at Christmas time. <sighs> Darkness gets darker. It just keeps, like, when we're talking about the darkness of um, sin, we're, we're not just talking about the bad stuff we do, but the effects of it. You've been hurt by others. You've hurt others. Hurt people, hurt people. Right? You've heard that maybe before. Or just death or disease or sickness or loss or grief. It's all because of the spreading of the darkness of sin. This is what we've been talking about. So we see that in the line of Cain. We especially see that with our boy Lamech. First of all, he took two wives. That is a bad decision. He's the first one to do it. The first bigamist, right? We see that throughout the Old Testament. You name me one where it worked out well. didn't. Fights always between the wives, battles between the siblings. It's not God's plan. And we learn in the New Testament, absolutely it's not God's plan. But Lamech doesn't care. Because Lamech, then he, he sings a song that's called the song of vengeance, the song of the sword, the song of all these different titles. Like, it's a song about himself. And he sings it to his two wives. Do you remember when Jose read it? He said to his wives, listen to what I have to sing. You know, it's like, talk about darkness getting darker. I have killed a man. Like, how romantic, honey. That's great. For wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. That sounds more like, I think that's a rap, actually. Not a, certainly not a country western song, I don't think. But imagine, you're, if you sing a song and it's about you, we got a problem. Right? This song is so vain, he thinks it's about him, right? If you know that reference, you're old like me. It's okay. And so, so Lamech, he's, he's, he's reveling in vengeance. If you mess with me, I'll kill you. He's even taking the mark of Cain, which was just a mercy of God in the midst of sin, as, a, as sort of like a badge of honor. That's how bad it's gotten. I, po- I point all this, this teaches us that this darkness, right, this darkness just keeps getting darker. And I know, we're in a season of joy and light and happiness. And if you look around, I, I don't have the luxury, I, I don't know if you do, I don't have the luxury of tuning out the tremendous hurt and pain that I've seen the last few weeks. I, it's especially this time of year, it just seems like the enemy works on overdrive. The darkness, and you see it, and you're trying to avoid it. And you're just, I just want to be happy, right? Like, go shopping or, or decorate the tree, and it's good, but it's like, like there's only so much eggnog you can drink. Like, we, I, I, we've had uh, multiple marriages struggling this time of year. We've, we had um, our friend John Berkowitz. If you know John, is, he just lost his wife not long ago, and he fell and broke part of his spine. I know, it's just, ugh. Grace Brown, we, uh, a week ago, Friday, we 
gathered in this room and mourned the death of her 31-year-old brother who died in a car accident. It's like, ugh. Leaves the family with questions. Why? Right? I, I get it. You've asked them. If you're honest. Well, a lot of you, maybe you, you know, maybe you don't know, but you probably have noticed you haven't seen Lauren Bundy around for a while. She's our children's director. She's usually up here at least every other week. I mean, I love Brian, but man, Brian, we see you all the time now. because of poor, We've been praying and praying and praying, and, and it's, it's taken a good turn. But for weeks, he's been in so much pain that doctors are like, well, we sort of understand. We're just like, why? Like, why does it have to be so hard sometimes? I, have, I, I um, We were talking this pastors this past week, and pastor I know, um, Kyle's his name, and, 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 and he finished his services last, last Sunday, and he was called to the hospital where a young mother in his church had given birth to a stillborn child. And he was called there to help coax her to give the child up. He said to us, what do you say? I'm like, I don't know, man. They didn't teach us that in seminary. It's so hard, right? And I know. Merry Christmas. I'm sorry. But it's, we're real here, aren't we? And it's dark. Sin has brought so much pain. So what do we do? That's the question. I'm not going to leave you here and say, amen, goodbye, have fun. What do we do? There's people do all the time. Like you, you probably know someone as tragic as this, who's the darkness gets so bad they end their own life. Right? Or, or the darkness gets so bad that they just forget about it and they just take their mess and they go somewhere else. You know what they do? They just bring their mess somewhere else. Or, which is what most people do, and if we're honest, we've all been there, they numb it. Just overeat, drink, drugs, pornography, whatever it might be, to just avoid the pain and the darkness. So what do we really do? What do we really do? Because if we're not careful, the glowing world is going to attract us. But I don't want that for any of us. What do we really do? Maybe you've heard a couple of sayings like, um, go something like this. The first one, the stars shine the brightest when the night is darkest. Ever heard that? Or the night is darkest right before the dawn. What do we do? We position ourselves. We position ourselves, meaning we position ourselves. Like when you read, his, his mercies are new every morning. Like we position ourselves. You say, I don't see you, God. I don't see what you're doing. I don't see how this can be good. Those are good prayers, but I'm not leaving. I will cling to your presence. I have nowhere else to go. When Jesus was really popular and a bunch of People really loved him because he fed them from nothing. That's cool. But then when he taught something really, really hard, they all left. And you remember some of you? He looked at his closest disciples and said, are you going to go to? And then Peter, where would we go, Lord? It's like the prayer of my life. If you need a prayer of your life, that's it. Where would I go? No matter how dark it gets, how hard it gets, I'm not going from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to position myself. This is what we call faith. If you see everything that he's doing and you see every outcome of what he's going to do, that's not faith. 
Anybody could do that. Faith is clinging, saying, do I believe, do I believe he's good and he's sovereign, even in this? It's, it's um, the, the positioning ourselves is remembering that God is at work in the darkness. He's working. Like even in the, in the, the genealogy. Right? Like, like and when all that spiraling and Lamech singing about himself and how awesome he is and all that pain and all, all that, 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 that darkness, we then see this, right? And Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Now, if you were with us last week, I pointed out when she had Cain, what did she say? I've done it with a little help from God. Notice how that's changed? Now, it's, it's, he's, she names this son Seth, which literally just means granted. God has granted. God has given. God is at work in all this pain and all this mess. He's made a promise, right? And then if you notice that word offspring in the Hebrew, same word that, that if I bring you back, if you remember chapter 3, when God's talking to the serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. <laughs> Eve remembered that. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What Eve is saying is <laughs> God is at work. He's made his promises. He's going to fulfill them. Even if I don't always see what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And then <laughs> this is where we capped it, and what a beautiful place, and all that mess, all that darkness. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, at that time, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if it was a formal gathering like this, maybe. That's what I love about this, right? We come in this room, some of you are clapping and singing and smiling. It's a beautiful blessing of God. Some of you are singing through broken tears, but all of us are calling on the name of the Lord, aren't we? It doesn't matter where you've come from or where you've been or what's hit your life. We gather and we say, oh, Jesus, save, heal, redeem, bless. Maybe it's private, desperate prayers. Help, Lord. Help. You ever prayed like that? I have. I got no words, man. Help. God is at work in the darkness. There's going to be times you don't see it. There's going to be times you don't see the outcome. Like I said, that's faith. Crying out in his na- to his, his name. Refusing. Like on your knees, position yourself. I'm not going to leave his presence. He's at work, right? It's a momentary affliction, but I have an eternal weight of glory. I won't. I won't. I'm not going anywhere. It's God's presence. If I lose everything but that, I'm fine with it. Because I will not forsake that for any of the trinkets and toys of that. Because he's at work. Here's the question, though. It's easy to say that in church. Can that woman with a stillborn do that? She can. I pray that she will. When you're depre- if you're suffering from depression, like, you know, the, the greatest feat of your day is getting up. 
I'm not even kidding. I've been there. It's crazy. Like, I saw how this, so this is what this feels like. Okay, people have told me. Like, I, the things that matter to me right now, they don't, they don't matter. It's so hard. It's like all you see is that darkness. Can you say, I'm not running to the city of Enoch. I will be that Enoch and walk with God. I will know that his mercies are new every morning. I will not lose heart. One of the worst is the darkness of our own making, isn't it? Oh, maybe you're sitting here, you have a couple of marriages that are in tatters, and it's your fault, mostly. Kids won't talk to you, your fault, mostly. You're alone, something else. And you just, it's so easy to just want to numb that, run over here, say, like, God doesn't want anything to do with me. Right? But here's when you position yourself and say, but God is at work. Like, he's a Lord I can cry out to, and he redeems he restores. He forgives. Like, unless you're the first person that finally found a sin that's bigger than the cross. No, you have not. And so that's what we remember, that it's, it's when it's darkest that God is working the most. He's not going to leave you there. You're not going to stay there. Do not give up heart and hope and run over here. Grief? Man. I remember I was, um, I was in my office and I was looking at my bookshelves, which is full of books that I've never read, okay? just want you to know that. I've read some and I'm working on it. A lot of books people have given to me, usually pastors who retire. Where do I give these books? Well, I got some more room. Here we go. And one of them was by, and I love this author, but I'd never really heard of this particular book by C.S. Lewis, but it really struck me because it was right after my mom had died and it, and it had the word grief in it. So it was like, small book, and it's just called A Grief Observed. He wrote it right after the death of his wife from cancer. And I don't recommend it very often to people because you've got to have strong. The first two-thirds of this book is like, I shouldn't be reading this. He was so angry at God. It was so raw. It was snot-bubbled tears that Lewis had towards God, right? And yet, that last third, I mean, it doesn't turn into a Hallmark movie, all right? It, but it does turn, like some of our greatest psalms. It, it turns to God again in faith, and ultimately Lewis comes down to where would I go? But the presence of the Lord. Whatever it might be, whether you're facing sickness, sadness, loneliness, or it's someone else, which sometimes is so much harder. You wish it was happening to you, but it's happening to him or her, and you don't know what to do. You stay in the presence of the Lord, and you do it with someone else. Come here. You're staying with me. Why? Because God is at work. And when Jesus says, are you going to go too? Where would I go? Where would I go? So it's um, this verse is where the hope is in the son. Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth. Hope is in the son. Hope of Eve. I've got uh, God's granted, right? But here's the problem. <laughs> Seth lived a long time. He did, I'm sure he did some great things. We don't really know any of them, though. And what I can know, tell you is Seth didn't do a whole lot for me. Or you. He's been dead a long time. The hope's not in Seth, is it? Not fully. But Seth eventually had kids, who had kids, who had, and then we had Noah. 
did Noah do anything for you? I mean, sure, he built a boat. His promises were working through Noah, but Noah didn't do anything for me. My hope is not in Noah. And then eventually a man named Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David. None of them saved you. The hope is not in any of those sons that were born. But the promise was being carried forward, wasn't it? And you probably know where I'm going with this, the hope of the son. Mary, this, her name was, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, same time period, shepherds were in the darkness and it was lit up by an angel. In the midst of that angel, the angel said, I bring you gospel, which just means good news. And part of what that angel said was, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Eight days later, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. And this old guy named Simeon had been waiting all his life, waiting and waiting and looking at all the darkness, right? And then he sees the the child and he says, Yes, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And this is how Simeon refers to Jesus, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are? Cain's family. (laughs) Our family. Away from the presence of God because of the darkness of sin. He says, we now have a light. We now have hope because of this child who was born a light for revelation of the Gentiles over the glory to your people, Israel. All who have been away from God's presence, me, chief among you, can now go back and do what I just called you to do, cry out to the name of the Lord. Why? Because our hope is in the Son, not Seth, <laughs> Jesus. Why? Well, not just because he was born and cute little baby Jesus, because he lived. And he lived a perfect life. Have you done that? If you raised your hand, we got, we got problems. Of course not. And then he died. And he died in the most darkest place ever. Physically swallows him up. The judgment of God on every last sin you and I have ever committed put on his son. The son of Adam <laughs> couldn't help us. The Son of God can. And now he rules and reigns. So whatever darkness might be hitting you right now or next week, that's the, uh, you know, the not so much fun thing about darkness is it doesn't tell us when it's going to hit. It doesn't say, hey, in two weeks life's going to get hard. Prepare. It goes, Pow! whenever that happens, you can cry out to the name of the Lord because our hope is in the Son. If you're having a hard time right now, and I, 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 I offer you hope of eggnog, parties, and presents, that will do nothing for you. In fact, it'll probably make it worse. It usually does. But I don't offer you that hope. I offer you the hope of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was born to destroy darkness, the light. So with all that pain and all that mess, We cannot leave the presence of God and we can say, Jesus, restore, redeem, heal, help. You is where my, you and you alone is where my hope is.
I want to pray for you. I'm going to invite our worship team up. First of all, I want to pray for you. If, um, if you wouldn't mind, as I pray, just go ahead and you can close your eyes or look down or just focus, however that means to you. Nothing magical. No one's going to lock the doors behind you. Don't worry. But if maybe you've been here for a few weeks, maybe it's the first time or maybe more than that, and you've never had the opportunity to just put all of your chips in, all of your faith in Jesus, the hope in him. I want to invite you to do that. There's nothing, Matt. You just say, Jesus, save me. You're just tired of going to the world and thinking the answers are there. Thinking they will satisfy you. You just say, Jesus, save me. Lord, I pray that I can't save anyone. I have no authority or power. But you, through your spirit, open the eyes of faith to believe. Open their heart to fully repent and believe. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are already in Christ but feeling the weight of something, maybe for themselves or someone else, and they're trying but they're not feeling that joy and peace. And I just pray that you would, maybe for the millionth time, give us the words to call out in the name of the Lord, just as Seth's family did. Call out the darkness and the mess and the hurt. Lord, that we wouldn't leave your presence. Wherever you go, we go. Lord, I pray to give us a strength, whatever temptation comes our way, whatever stumbling block gets laid in front of us, that we would keep our eyes on you. That all the glory would come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, stand with us and let's sing.